welcome to the lounge. Today I have Christian Augustine, and we are talking about his brand new Kickstarter, 3E RPG. This is something brand new. It's um, an RPG uh, that uses the technology to really enhance it. Um, got procedurally generated maps. Very cool stuff. Chris and I have a great conversation. We talk a little bit about gaming in general. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. I'll see you on the other side. How you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I, I'm I'm excited because you. I have a lot of people that do Kickstarters on, and they talk about like rules and stuff like that, or you know, and I'm, I mean I'm sure we'll we'll approach that. Um, but you're you're kind of designing kind of a new piece of technology, which is awesome. That that made me really. That made me reach out to you. It was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this this is somebody I want to have on my show. Uh, and, uh, by the way, congratulations. You hit your goal. Yeah, thank you. Um, that's uh, that's fantastic. Uh, so just could could you kind of, like, could we talk just a little bit about your, your background and everything and, and how you kind of um, <laughs> practiced to make this? Uh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I'm a software engineer. Um, been in the industry for about 14 years now, and uh, my wife is a is a web developer as well. So we we both have a shared like technical experience. Um, but I, I worked at uh, some pretty cool companies. I worked at Apple for a while, um, and still have some some good friends that work there. And uh, a lot of that kind of taught me that how important design is um, when you're when you're working on something as an engineer it's so easy to think technical design mm-hmm. but if at the end of it it doesn't look good and isn't fun to interact with then it's almost a waste of, of your time so it kind of gave me that almost like product perspective on it which is cool and I've always loved RPGs so I, I kind of was building up experience in both of these fields at the same time not realizing that they would ever converge on this on this cool project, so it's pretty exciting. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah, I I mentioned that uh, I, I I also worked at Apple, so and it's a, it's a unique experience working for Apple, um, and I learned a lot from that. Uh, so so it doesn't surprise me that that you also learned a lot on that kind of t- uh, design side. What what kind of um like what like how did you get started with with gaming specifically um so i've always been fascinated by tabletop role playing games um growing up i didn't have a lot of opportunities to play them mm-hmm. um i always enjoyed playing board games and things like that but something about the the open ended storytelling nature of tabletop role playing games i just you know you'd see the book on your shelf or see the book on a shelf and uh, be so interested in it, but also intimidated by it. You know, it's, it was like this club. I wasn't, I wasn't allowed in because 
I I have to read a 400 page book and I have to. So I kind of I came into it with an understanding that it was for some people who are, you know, who can just read a 300 page book in a weekend. And and uh, and I realized later um, when I I eventually got tired of trying to find the perfect group, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to make my own RPG group. I'll be the GM and I'll figure it out myself. And um, and that was when the the barriers started coming down. When you look at games like uh, like uh, Numenera from Monty Cook Games is a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the book on the shelf and you're just like, well, that's a that's a big book and it's probably a bunch of rules in there, huh? And you, you pick it up and it's it's not. I mean, you could just you really could read it cover to cover. It's the rules are pretty streamlined and it's just all of this amazing lore and and mm-hmm. artwork and that's when I started to realize that the there's almost like a apprehension you have to get over, especially to start game mastering, but to play role-playing games in general. Um, and once I had already committed that I'm going to be a game master and get this group together, which I'm sure as, as many of us have experienced getting a group together is, you know, you have to, you have to really do some selling to get, mm-hmm. get a bunch of people sit around. And they're like, what? We just sit here with dice. No, trust me. Let's play. And, um, but after doing that, uh, I realized that, it's actually more of a natural gaming experience than, in my opinion, board games and video games. It's almost this like natural point you, you get into that's almost like this, you know, sitting around a, a fire telling a story mm-hmm. uh, mindset that, that you tap into that feels more natural than, than a lot of other type of games. Um, and ever since then, I, ever since I had my first successful successful-ish campaign <laughs> where we survived. Um, from then on, it was like, okay, so I started collecting all these different books and started, you know, experimenting with different uh, generic rule sets like like Fate Core and, and things like that and seeing how they have their different takes on the game. Um, and, uh, you know, now I've got quite a hefty RPG collection and I've, I've tried to play role-playing games in every every different way. And then, of course, there's kickstarter and all these new ideas that are constantly coming out so it, it's a really fun time to be in the tabletop rpg community as a fan or as a creator it's a really fun time it absolutely is it's i, I mean just just seeing it explode in the last few years with you know mainstream appeal for dungeons and dragons and then that's a, that seems to be blowing up from there because these Dungeons and Dragons groups that got hugely popular are now like, can we play something else? You know, I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, there's, there's a monster of the week. Sure. Why not? You know? And with D and D it's interesting because uh, no knock on, on the system, but I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's not an easy game to pick up and play. If you, if you didn't know anybody who, who could help you through it and you just picked it up off the shelf and tried to play, there's a lot that you mm-hmm. need to, think about and so it's it's almost the the role-playing game that i would have thought least likely to succeed it's really heavy and there's a lot going on and the lore is extensive um for that to be the one that's had such a uh following says a lot about people's passion you know a passion for it that they're they're willing to break down what i think is a pretty big barrier to entry with all of their friends and and it says a lot about passion for role-playing games because I would have thought the, the little smaller games would be, would be the most popular, but yeah. no, people actually like enjoy the heavy side of, of role-playing, which I think that's cool. I wonder if, if we'll, if we'll ever hit that point where um, 
role, the, the term role-playing game isn't synonymous with Dungeons and Dragons where people kind of, you know, the, the wider array of people have an understanding that there's a lot more to it than that. And, and then we'll see kind of that, that entry point maybe widen. Um, but, but for right now, I mean, you know, only one game has movies coming out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. It's just kind of this this um, unstoppable force that <laughs> just yeah. keeps on driving. But it's good in the sense that it it exposes people to tabletop role playing in a in a accessible way. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but then it's also kind of its own worst enemy, like you said, where it, it is kind of synonymous to the extent where you have D and D, and then you have games that aren't D and D, and yeah. sometimes uh, players will be experienced in D and D, but won't won't have a lot of overall experience with different systems. So they'll come into a game and, and think, well, why is it like this? Why we don't use a D 20 and it's almost like a criticism on the game, but really it's just different. Yeah. And the variety of role-playing games is actually uh, pretty amazing. Once you just kind of, once you're willing to just kind of go through and play, play the role-playing game, however, the designer intended it. I mean, like fate with the fudge dice and things like that. It's really weird to get used to, but there's something really, you know, Something cool about dice that don't have numbers on it, and yeah. you know, what a cool idea! And the skill list is so simple, and there's something to be enjoyed in in each system. So, yeah. just uh, to illustrate your point, if you go to the the D and D subreddit, um, it's actually a bigger community than the RPG subreddit, which <laughs> says everything. It's, it's pretty amazing. That's oh, I never me. noticed that. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, that's that, that's really interesting. Well, and and I think that's just you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's a, it's par for the course for the thing that kind of, you know, that's what, that's what, um, uh, I, I mean, I remember growing up in the eighties and, and people were yelling, you know, the, the, the satanic panic and they weren't yelling role playing games. They were yelling dungeons and dragons. So, you know, I think that that, that may have been a big part of it. Um, and that's something people don't realize is that, you might be someone who's not into fantasy or someone uh, like myself. who I don't really enjoy playing games that, that focus on, on magic and, and spirits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It can be really easy to look at the community and say, well, this, uh, this is for people who really like Lord of the Rings or who really like, you know, whatever you're thinking that role-playing is fantasy. Even that's almost synonymous to a lot of new players. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you could have, you know, you can have modern, you could have sci-fi and even sci-fi. It could be space opera. It could be, you know, there's, it's endless. Basically, oh, yeah. if, if there's a TV show or a movie set in a certain setting, just like those settings are, have endless possibilities, role playing's the same. And um, some people won't come into the community because they don't really like fantasy. And uh, I think it's it's nice to break those barriers down and, and completely surprise them with like, well, this game is, you know, it's a it's a modern gumshoe detective game. Oh, I love detective shows, and then suddenly you have a new RPG fan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what what a cool thing. I my first real foray into gaming, as all the the lounge lizards out there know, uh, it was uh, Marvel superheroes. And oh yeah, um, yeah. I lo- I loved comic books. Superheroes were awesome, and you know, and now at this point, I've played just so many superhero games. So, um, but uh, you know, it's the the one thing I haven't seen a lot of is is modern games taking advantage of the technology that we have 
Right. Um, and as I said up top, that is really like, that is, that is, that seems to be your bread and butter, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is interesting. I mean, a lot of these ideas started, um, you know, like, like uh, I say on the Kickstarter page that when lockdown hit, which I know, depending on where you live in the world, lockdown can mean different things, but certainly the, the coronavirus, you know, has changed the world and it's changed the way that we've had to interact with people, you know, and we've had to reach out to people on, on zoom and things like that, that maybe we weren't comfortable with before. And we had that same dilemma that, that many role-playing groups had, you know, we were all come over to our house at this time and, you know, bring queso and, you know, <laughs> bring soda and you, you had this certain vibe going, going on with it. So I'm in Texas. So I, well, <laughs> I, queso know, it's just automatic, but <laughs> I, it was, it was funny. I, I was 100% reminded you were in Texas when you said queso. And also <laughs> I really would love some queso right now. Yeah, um. exactly. It's never a bad idea. <laughs> um, so you, you have this, this setup that's, you know, very, very social. Um, and then suddenly you know, you might have a friend that lives down the block and you're thinking, should we meet up? Um, should we try to try one of these online systems or we had that dilemma. And, um, and in looking at the different things that were available, uh, not to knock them at all. I mean, you have like roll 20 and astral tabletop and different services that let you play your game online. Um, they're really comprehensive. They're, they're really, they, they can do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, which is is the best and worst thing about them is that they can do everything. So especially as a GM, um, if you're like me, a lot of GMs, uh, they become the GM of the group because they're the one that is willing to experiment with stuff and is willing to read that 400-page book and is so – so like we're already predisposed to kind of um, – I don't want to say obsessing, but if, if, there's a, if there's options to make your session potentially better – most GMs are, you know, are going to be very tempted and then think, well, if I learn how to use this one feature, maybe, you know, that one player will get more engaged or maybe this or that. And, uh, with these services, these platforms, because they're, they're designed to, uh, facilitate every possible type of RPG, which, you know, we just touched on just how varied they are just in mechanics and setting. You have to support all of that. So that means there's a lot going on and you're, you're constantly as a GM having this feeling of, you know, maybe I haven't really learned how to use it properly because there must be an easier way of doing it. And, and uh, we had that. So we, we moved to, to one of these platforms and, um, and we had a really fun campaign, but there was a lot of, of uh, work required behind the scenes for me to keep it running and to keep it entertaining. And uh, it, it started the, the cogs turning that, you know, there's options out there to play any tabletop role-playing game online, but there's no really true online. It seems like a, like a contradiction in terms, but an online tabletop role-playing game where mm-hmm. it's, it's not a pen and paper game that you can play online. It's a game that doesn't have a principal player sheet, uh, character sheet. It doesn't have a GM screen. Um, there isn't a book you can buy it by it designed from the ground up to be online and to work best online. Um, so we started playing with ideas and, and playing with, with prototypes of, of both the game engine we were, we were tweaking and also the, the actual program I started working on. And, uh, it just grew from there. You know, every time we, every time we'd add something, it would just make the sessions so much better. And, uh, suddenly we're having sessions and it's this like, 
polished system and, and it's like, well, this is great. I mean, we should, <laughs> maybe other people will like this. We should, uh, we should put this on Kickstarter. And, uh, now here we are. Here we are. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the online tools that are out there are basically the delivery system, but right. they're not the thing itself. And yeah, they're I, tools. Exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, it sounds like you had basically the idea of like, why not make the delivery system and the thing be the same element, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing is, is that, is that design can facilitate that kind of a kind of thing where if you make something, if something is just a, you know, just a play chest full of, of features because the, the group might need anything. That you you're almost limited. You can't really have have an opinionated design where you're making decisions for the user that make their life easier. You have to kind of give them everything, and and they're going to have to be the ones that figure out how to use it. Um, but by saying this is going to be specifically for this rule set, and the character sheet is going to look like this, um, you're able to have the design uh, really teach them how to play and make it easy to play because. The kind of design principle that, that I like to live by is that good design should explain itself. Mm-hmm. So if something's well designed, just interacting with it should get you halfway there to understanding everything about it. Um, and by having our own system uh, that's just for our rule set, we really have that freedom to say, you know, you can level up your character and it can walk you through everything because it knows what game you're playing and it knows the best <laughs> way to display things. And, we can play test and say, you know, when you leveled up, did you get confused at any point and, and really fix those things and then make them easy so that you don't have to read a, a book or a bunch of paragraphs on how to use it. Mm-hmm. it it's going to explain itself. Yeah. You can maximize that user experience, which is just, you know, that's what technology should be able to do. Uh, right. Let's, let's talk about three RPG uh, just kind of, uh, you know, as a, as a whole, um, what's kind of the, 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 well, how, how, how do you describe the, the actual RPG element to people? So, uh, the three, the three E's of three E, um, is explore, encounter, engage. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we tried to design the game to really focus on, um, I guess the best way of saying it is a non non-violent resolutions <laughs> to, to okay. problems. Not that there isn't combat and there isn't action, but just that that shouldn't necessarily be your your only device to solve your problems. Um, which in in some RPGs, since their combat system is so comprehensive, um, it's it's really you know you can tell you can tell what what the game is geared around based on where the the most of the rules are in the game. Um, in most games, the, the combat rules is a big chunk of the book. It's probably most of the rules. Um, because combat's complicated and you're trying to do something in a tactical way, but, but without using miniatures usually. So it's even more complicated. So it makes sense that it ends up being this big chunk of the book. Um, but for us, that ended up meaning that we had sessions that were kind of getting repetitive where it's just kind of, uh, well, what about if we wanted to have a more social or more exploration kind of a game? And so to to really rebalance what we call those um, those three encounters, you have social encounters, 
exploration encounters and you have uh, combat encounters to balance those three and make them feel equal. Um, we really ironically had to put a lot of work into the combat system. So we had to make it simple. Um, but I've played games before where action is, is so abstracted and simplified that it's kind of like, you know, just say, just say you did whatever and, and good for you. You did it. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're like, well, I don't really feel like I, I swung a sword. I don't really feel like I was in danger. And then you have some games that feel really, you know, really satisfying, but 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, and like one round has gone by in combat. And it's, it's almost becomes this slog of my, minutia that you're trying to get through. Um, and so we're like, how can we make it feel crunchy and satisfying and feel like you, that your decisions on the gear you wear and all that matter uh, without it slowing the game down to a halt? And what we did was we came up with this system where uh, each character has an attack die, which ranges from a, from a D4 to a D20. And that depends on your, uh, your weapon that you have equipped and what, what talents and specializations you have. And, um, whenever combat begins, you don't roll for initiative. The first thing that you do is you roll to attack. So everyone takes that die. They roll it all at the same time. They add their modifier. And then they tell the GM, you know, that final number, I rolled a a 15 or whatever. Uh, The GM has the same thing. Each NPC in combat is represented by a single die from D4 all the way up to a D100 for a a boss. Um, And they'll roll all their whole pool of dice all at once. And what happens is the defense of, of the party is a collective defense. It's all the players in the party add their defense together, and that becomes the defense of the party. Same for the NPCs. They have their big defense number. And so when both groups roll at the same time, it subtracts from each other's defense and makes for a, you know, potentially 20 people just got their attack round done and it took, you know, 15 seconds, including the math. Wow. Um, and then as soon as that ends, you start the next part, which is called the moxie phase. Um, and now you roll for initiative. So you roll for initiative. And the NPCs don't roll for initiative, only the players. So NPCs, the GM has the freedom to, they're not limited by, by the rules, the, the, well, they're not, they're not limited by the turn structure. Mm -hmm. They want the, the goons to start sneaking up behind you. They can just say that that's happening. Um, But the players get a turn order and then you go through the players one by one and you decide uh, whether or not to spend Moxie uh, to, to do things um, within the battle. So equipping or unequipping weapons or armor costs moxie because you have to almost step away from the battle for a moment and have that kind of have that moxie to be able to take that initiative. Um, performing techniques, which is which is the, the science based powers that bionics have. Um, and then the third thing is really the, the primary way that characters can swing combat one way or the other. And that's where uh, you basically zoom in on that one moment. And you say, the character says, I want to do something. I want to, uh, I want to climb up on this balcony, cut the chandelier down. Then the chandelier will fall down on the enemies and, and subdue them, right? And so they propose that to the GM. And now you're in normal skill check land, right? So the GM says, oh, that's going to be accuracy or that's going to be this or that. If the player's successful and that chandelier falls and the GM wants to reward them for their creativity, the GM will say, wow, the, you know, you did so good. The, the opponent 
defense has gone down by 80 and everyone cheers, right? Cause it's so creative. Then the next round begins and everyone rolls attack dice. So you get the attack part, the clashing of swords, the, the strong guy is obviously stronger than the weak guy, all that stuff done really fast. And then it's like, does anyone have any like smart ideas where they can creatively, you know, shape things, move things in, in their favor? Um, and that really brings it so that even if you have combat, you're really encouraging that creativity mm-hmm. uh, in, in characters and in players. Um, and so that's that's the main combat mechanic. And uh, experience points in the game are are based on player creativity in each encounter. So it's really, a, a you know, I think it was uh, Monty Cook, Monty Cook Games said in one of his books that players are going to do what you what you encourage them to do and you mm-hmm. encourage them by giving them experience points so experience points are based on you know how creative were the players in resolving this encounter a little bit a lot very creative well they get more xp at the end of the session so it's really that thinking out of the box uh mentality that that we want to drive the story forward that's awesome that's uh that sounds like it, it sounds like such a nice streamlined system to do, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it, it, I, I imagine you can do those, those like skirmishes that might happen just pretty quick with, you know, just, uh, just a few rolls. And then, um, I don't know, like, like how long getting maybe too into it, but how long does a, does a typical combat encounter take? Um, so typical combat encounter, um, you know what, I should probably time it so that I can, <laughs> next time I ask that question, I'll be like, well, statistically speaking, um, but it's fast. I mean, it's, uh, if it slows down at all, it's because a player wants to spend moxie and has a really cool idea. And mm. of course, those are the best parts of a role-playing game. So sure. someone has an idea and everyone else is all excited and wow, what a great idea. And they're all rooting for them and they all cheer when they're successful. So if it slows down, it's slowed down because something awesome is happening. We so, wanted the, the combat part to feel like almost that like Pirates of the Caribbean, like a choreographed dance in the background. This combat is happening nice. in the background, but in the forefront, you're zooming in on, you know, I'm going to sneak up and do this one thing, um, which also gives opportunities for, for less, uh, uh, you know, less action oriented characters to really shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you're saying that the, the best part of a combat encounter in a role playing game isn't paging through um, massive tomes looking for that feat that you <laughs> forgot where it was. That's, that's not my favorite part. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's nor mine. And I've, I've done it many times. Um, now, so the, the, the play, so we, we know how we play. We know what it looks like to play. Um, how does the how does the technology incorporate with that? So um, the way that the the technology really facilitates this is you have um, as a player, you're able to log into three RPG and see all your characters. Mm-hmm. And when you go into one of your characters, your your character sheet is laid out in such a way where um, you can really easily see all of your skills and the modifier on your roll that that skill would give you. So you just looking at it, you know, oh, I roll and add three. So you see all your skills um, and you see all of your equipment, which you can equip and unequip. If you're a bionic, you see all your techniques and you 
the way that you perform techniques is you have a, a certain number of slots you can use up each day and you check off a slot. Um, and that's all going to be just on that one page. And then you have all of your equipment and the equipment is editable. So you, you click on your, your gold pieces and say, add, add to it, remove from it, give it to someone else in the party. They'll get a notification saying, you know, so-and-so just gave you 10 gold, whatever things you need to do on your sheet, you can do it all from there. And it's not, it's not like these are all text boxes and you type in whatever it, it knows. It has the context of knowing what these items are. Mm-hmm. So if the GM gives you four yards of rope ladder, it knows you have four yards of rope ladder. And if you use up if a yard of it burns, it's going to say three yards of rope ladder. So mm-hmm. it knows what these items are um, so that you don't have to sit there and, manicure your character sheet and and fix it every time you do something as well as that on the on the side um you have these panels you can you can click that slide out with uh i say rules references but it's it's the whole rules and um on a normal size desktop monitor you don't even need to scroll to read from top to bottom on on these rules it's it's Hmm. we've tried to keep it as streamlined and i that can be a pro and a con because i've i've had rpgs pitched to me before with saying well all the rules are just one page. And I think, well, maybe that won't be crunchy enough or satisfying enough or, mm-hmm. uh, but really it's that the, the interface uh, explains a lot of it um, to the point where you're not having to, to explain a lot of things that usually in a book you would need to explain. So it's, it's one of those things you kind of have to have to experience for it to really make sense. But all the rules that you need to be able to play as a player are available to you on that screen. And they're really easy to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could s- just stay there on your character sheet and just enjoy playing and the GM can play music for you or whatever through the system on the GM side, they have a GM dashboard and from there they can, you know, control the music, give items to characters, give quest items, which are, uh, you know, items that, um, have no value. They can't sell them or drop them or give them away. It's just kind of like you have, you have the gauntlet of, of Argo and, Mm. Uh, that's in your equipment now and the gm can also remove that from your equipment once it's exhausted or you know whatever happens to it um and then also uh some quick tables that that show you how to make npcs in 3 erpg really quickly like i'm not exaggerating when i say it takes five seconds to make an npc um and uh boss boss battles all all that stuff and like i said on a normal size monitor you're not scrolling to see any of this this is a single page and everything is is concise and and easy um so that when you're on that screen you're focusing on making the game fun and exciting and not thinking you know let me put a bookmark on page 226 because there's this one thing i want to not forget and it's a whole different type of gming you just feel like you have everything you need and you can just enjoy telling the story and reacting to your players. Hmm. It, 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 it seems like the, you know, the, the kind of thing where, um, I mean, that, that uh, everything you say appeals to me so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, when I was reading about it, like, like I kind of felt that way too. Um, it's one of the reasons I like real rules light is because, you know, my attitude is I like to approach things from a, a fun story character-driven standpoint and everything like that. But it's nice to have a little bit of crunch in there and kind of, you know, like, like it, and that always adds a little bit of, uh, I don't know, randomness. Um, yeah. And a little bit of realism too, that you, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, what's I, What's cool with our um with our RPG group is that we actually take turns GMing each week, which hmm. which has been a really interesting experience. I've never tried this before, but it's going really well in this campaign, and it's something I might facilitate in 3D RPG mechanically down the road if people wanted to have like a like a GM rota or whatever, because GMing is so easy now. Um, hmm. But what's interesting with our group is that we have four very different um, GMs, and so. Um, the one GM is much more story driven and kind of, you know, prefers the rules to kind of stay out of the way so that they can tell the story. Um, one GM is more, um, improv and wants to really, you know, uh, feel like they have that freedom to react, but when they react, it's based on real rules. And so each person GMs completely differently. And so in having our one group take turns GMing, we're able to kind of play test that is this, is this crunchy enough for the player that really likes having pages and pages and pages of rules. Does it appeal to this person? Yeah, they really like it. It's got all the rules that it has are, are just what they want. Well, then this other person who doesn't like reading rules, are they overwhelmed? Nope. Super easy. I, I really enjoyed it. And, and so, uh, and we, we, we do feedback with all of our campaigns and feedback has not ever been, been this positive all around. So this isn't, this isn't just that I have a super nice group. It's that we're, we're all really enjoying this new type of role playing. Uh, it's been really refreshing for us. That's awesome. That's really cool. That's you know. So so it, like yeah. Anybody listening? I mean, you know, if you're if you if you kind of want to uh, try out something that might work for everybody in a group that's that's very different. Um, which I have. Uh, I have one of those <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, I I also wanted to ask uh, and get get some details on the. Um, procedurally generated map system. Um, That's a term that I feel like I heard that term or or that term like will come up like periodically in adventure gaming. And it's like recently it's kind of like come back because systems are able to to use, do things procedurally generated, but still have high graphics quality. So you like, and, and, and like before that, I mean, the first time I can think of like, you know the 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 um what was the the dwarf caverns roguelike game where everything was uh uh keyboard character icons and everything um and so it's you know it, we've we've come a long way with procedurally generated that as a term in general um i see that and i think um i i i think i think of like roguelikes and i think of like um uh, uh hex crawls and stuff like that yeah um is that kind of where that's going <laughs> yeah so my um my experience with with procedurally generated map systems as a player and i i really wish that there was a more catchy term for that <laughs> but but there isn't <laughs> that i could find um is with uh with video games um i am not a huge video gamer uh, but when i do play i um you know, I like games that feel boundless, that feel mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, I like tabletop RPGs, so that's, that kind of goes without saying, <laughs> but I like feeling like, um, I'm not going to run into an invisible barrier at some point and it mm-hmm. just breaks the illusion that, you know, that I'm actually doing it. And so, uh, I think procedurally generated, uh, maps or I guess procedurally generated anything really hit, hit the mainstream with, uh, when No Man's Sky came out, mm-hmm. um, which unfortunately did not, uh, 
didn't have a good release. Um, I think they fixed mm-hmm. some of the issues now and their, their reviews on Steam are gradually getting better, but it, it was, it kind of didn't live up to the hype, at least initially, which is a shame. Um, but the concept, uh, was better, better played out in, in other games like, uh, Elite Dangerous. I don't know if you know that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Elite Dangerous does a really good job of this where you'll go to a certain sector of space. Um, as if it's already there, you're just like, I'm going to go to this place. Looks cool. And when you get there, the, the game lets you know, by the way, you're the first person who's ever gotten here and you just discovered this planet and you're like, neat. And you, you, you do your thing, whatever you want it to do, like, you know, mining an asteroid or whatever. But the next person that comes to that sector is going to see, you know, they're going to see that, you know, Christian Augustine discovered this planet, discovered this sector. And, huh. And, uh, you'll see that when you go to different planets, you'll, it'll show you which, which player, uh, kind of wished it into existence. <laughs> and really it's just by exploring, by going to an unmapped part of space, the game says, oh, we need to map this part of space. And so it will do this and this and this, and there's going to be a black hole. And, and that's the, when I think procedurally generated map system, I think, that's my biggest inspiration is that feeling of like there is no boundary because the boundary moves as you get closer to it. And so you're actually uh, creating it by exploring. This place didn't exist, but because you're so adventurous, uh, it now exists. I, I really enjoy that feeling. And um, so I, I wanted uh, one of the things that I do in 3D RPG, which, again, this can sometimes sound like a negative when whenever I've heard it in the past, is uh, it's a lore light system where it's mm-hmm. there is lore and it is like a fantasy setting there's there's elves and there's dwarves and orcs um but it's lore light uh in the sense that uh the lore we intentionally don't have a lot or any artwork we don't mm-hmm. want to dictate exactly how it looks but we'll use descriptions that can be uh that can be interpreted a lot of different ways so that the group can kind of visualize it the way that they want to um but that means that you have no no maps. If we say this place is based on this planet and this planet has this nation and this, we're really making a lot of decisions for the, for the, your campaign mm-hmm. that you might not enjoy and might actually turn you away from the game or whatever, whatever reasons you might have for not enjoying what we decided to come up with for it. Um, so in making it lower light, you're, you're almost saying there isn't a map. There isn't any locations, which, you know, that's, that makes for difficult GMing sometimes where you, you really want you want there to be stuff and you want the characters to feel like there's a world and you might not have the, you know, creative energy or the will to, to design a whole, whole world from scratch. And so I had this idea where, you know, why can't we bring the no man's sky procedurally generated concept into role playing? Um, I have, you know, I have a whole shelf full of books with, you know, roll, roll 3d tens and do this and that and this. And suddenly you have this, this creature or this location or this RPGs have, you know, they pioneered the the role on a table to create something new concept Mm -hmm. and video games are just getting to the point where it's like, Hey, we can make amazing things just suddenly now they exist permanently. Well, why can't we join those two things together and say, you're in this one location and you move on to the next hex on the map. And now that you're moving into it, the system rolls on a bunch of tables and says, well, this is a this is a city that has a great library and has four inns and the uh, has a tavern. And the guy who runs the tavern is a, you know, a gnome named, you know, Harry. And you're suddenly it exists. This place is like a solid anchored piece of lore, but it 
it only exists because you you walked into that hex. Um, and then the GM would be you know have be just as uh, excited to explore as the players are because they're not they're not given the ability to over prepare the session. They might have a loose story in mind, um, but the different locations are going to appear as as you explore. So you have to kind of be reactive in that that way that that only tabletop role playing can make you feel. That's uh. That's so cool too. That's the, you know, well, and that's one of the things that is, that always appeals to me about gaming is, is improv, improvisation. Um, I actually do, um, uh, this is the thing, this is the other thing that the, the lounge listeners have heard me say every episode. Uh, I do improv comedy. So, um, you know, I like to, to check, to check that box a lot. Um, so the idea of like, oh yeah, I don't know where you're going yet. Boom, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I really had that with one of the players in my group, who's who's now one of the GMs in my group, um, was really into improv, and and uh, I didn't feel comfortable with that as a GM. But I'm the kind of person that uh, maybe it's the the software engineer in me, but like I'm thinking I can just come up with every possibility, and then I'll be ready for it, uh, which <laughs> isn't always as possible as as you know you might think when you go into that <laughs> into that. But uh, for me, there's there's something to be said about not having endless options, and it might seem like a negative, perhaps, when you first think about it. But sometimes, if you can plan ahead, it'll almost take the life out of the story if you mm-hmm. plan too much ahead, and can can make for a like a combative uh, back and forth with the players where you've you spent all of this time and energy on this really cool place, and they don't feel like going to that place right now. Yeah. Um. And maybe actually, if if you um, if you kept things light and 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 fun, they might end up there in the end. But you can sometimes, as a player, you can get it too. Where you can just tell that you're you're not doing what the GM wanted you to do, and it's this kind of awkward like, uh oh, I guess I hope we didn't upset them because they had something planned, and it makes for kind of like this awkward scenario where sometimes you can get in this this trap in a in a group as GM or player where you're almost encouraging like the players feel like they need to they need to figure out what the plot is so they can get on it so mm-hmm. that they can have fun or that they don't you know make the gm feel like they wasted their time and to me it's, this is the same concept i used when when designing the gming part but i feel like creativity is a is a finite resource right like if if you're using your creativity trying to figure out what the gm wants you to do that's creativity you could have spent doing something fun or mm-hmm. reacting to something enjoyable or making a decision for your character and it's just kind of that that anxiety you can sometimes get as a player that i sometimes get as a player where i'm really trying to make, like am i doing the right thing and when you when you can take that away and know that the gm actually couldn't plan too far ahead uh it almost like like relieves everybody from of, from that anxiety that like we all don't really know where we're going and we're mm-hmm. letting the gm kind of shape it as we go which means we can focus on having fun instead of like from the gming side spending all that creativity wondering what the players are going to do and planning for every possibility and picking out the perfect music and setting up the character sheets and all this, all this creativity goes into role-playing that doesn't have to do with Mm role-playing. And I'm, I want three ERPG to be something that focuses as much of that creativity as possible on the best parts of role-playing where everyone's having fun and creating a story together. You know, let's get to that point as quickly as possible. And 
I feel like the map system is is integral to that in that there is lore. It's there for you to use. You don't have to come up with everything yourself, but you can't over plan for it. You have to just kind of let let it happen. And in my opinion, those can make the best the best sessions. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, you're you're going on the journey together instead of being led by reins uh from one place to another. Right. Uh, which which can be you know, if I I make I feel like the, like that makes it um oh, I don't know, you know, more of a group activity, I guess, instead of a Yeah. And and don't get me wrong, as as a GM you could you can still come into the session and have an idea for a plot. Mm-hmm. You can say, well, they're going to uh, they're going to be at a village and something gets stolen from the party. And as they chase them, they were going to find a cave and there you can still have an idea for a plot mm-hmm. um, and you can still execute that plot. Um, but you are not going to to have the burden of saying exactly where these things are going to happen or, you know, you know that there's going there's going to be maybe their last session ended in the village or the places I've already explored have villages and that's where they are now. So there's your village. And you know that there's caves all over the place. So it's really, you can just have that freedom of where do these plot points come up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then you're no longer having to, to almost coach the players towards the fun. You know, you're able to put the fun in front of them as they explore. And I I'll tell you right now, as somebody that, that is an improviser, this, I hate building maps so much, <laughs> and they're great to have. But I, I uh, it's just you know, uh, I, I got I bought all those map parts from um, from uh, uh, drive through, and I like built like this really intricate map, and and um, and you know the players are like, well, uh, we're not gonna go there. Then we're gonna do something else. And like, okay, <laughs> cool, that's fine. You know, like, and they did. Um, but they didn't, they didn't get to see that map. And I'll, 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 I'll use it later, but like, there was that moment of like, wait, I, why did I, why did I, I do this, you know? Um, and I've pain. had those, those moments of like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll print up this interesting map and go to the game or something like that. Uh, that was, that was the only time I've had it happen during corn. That was like my learn, learn my lesson. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're, but they're great to have, they're, they're great visual to have and everything. So, you know, it makes sense to say, oh, you're going here. Boom. This is what it looks like. And, you know, Hey, there's this here and this here. And, you know, um, and I'm sure any good game master is going to look at that and go, Oh, I could put this here and I can do this here. And I boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And the parts of the map that will, it, it's a campaign, right? So this map is going to be this living, breathing thing that, yeah. that uh, the players, you know, we'll, we'll become attached to certain places and we'll have memories that they shared in certain areas. And they're going to want to go back to that one town because there's that one thing there they want to see again. Um, but th- those will be things that, that we all came up with together that happened like in the moment. Not that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm similar where I've put a lot of work into trying to prep things, but it's really hard to know where to point your energy to where mm-hmm. it's going to end up be- being fun for the players because you can't, you don't know what they're going to do and you want to give them that freedom. And what's cool with this system is that there will be a map. There will be cities. There will be this, there'll be that, but you made them together mm-hmm. as you played. They, they appeared in the game and people remember points that they had fun doing. So there, you don't have to be like, 
what was the name of that one town? Oh, let me get the book. It, it's it's almost like the lore is fact-checking you constantly. Mm. And there's always that anxiety of like, if I improv, will I accidentally say there's a coastline here when actually there should be a mountain? And one day I'm going to you know, look silly and the players are going to realize I don't know what I'm talking about. But in this game, you're discovering it together. You're going to remember that there's you know, a coastline there. You explored mm-hmm. it together. So the more your campaign grows, the more you're going to have places, these like hard anchored places where you can have have story plots happen. Um, but you're not just calling out a name of a village no one's heard of before and trying to get them interested in it. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that place. Yeah. Let's go back there. That You know, so-and-so's in trouble. Oh, we're on our way. It's much easier than trying to transplant someone else's lore into their brains. <laughs> you know, it's they made the lore together. So there's no memorizing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, I I just looked at the the clock. We are we are moving right along here, sir. Um, uh, oh, yeah, you're which, right. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to uh, I did want to touch on um, the the I feel like the the fantasy races are are you know kind of the the fantasy races you see, but I definitely wanted to talk a little bit about the three classes, um, which you kind of brought up before. Right. Um, yeah, so so you've got the hunter, the rogue, and the bionic. Right. Um, I took a lot of inspiration. Uh, I don't know if if uh, there's any anything of this is is technically IP, and I'm going to get get in trouble for it. I hope not. It's a pretty old <laughs> game, but uh, but Fantasy Star, especially the older games, mm. um, Fantasy Star Four was one of my favorite games growing up, and. Um, took a lot of inspiration from the way that they mixed sci-fi and fantasy where mm-hmm. the fantasy definitely felt like fantasy. It wasn't like, you know, it, it felt like a real whimsical fantasy. And mm-hmm. then suddenly you'd encounter a creature that's definitely partly mechanical and it would bring up all these questions. And, and eventually later you'd, you'd be on spaceships and it's almost like the, like the juxtaposition between the sci-fi and the fantasy was part of the plot, mm-hmm. um, which I really enjoyed. So in this game, we, we took uh, Hunters from, you know, Hunters and Fantasy Star. I don't know if you're familiar with it. But that's, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's basically like your, you know, your your warrior class. But in Fantasy Star, a hunter is more of like a like your um, mercenary adventurer type. Yeah. Um, rogues. Uh, rogues are, you know, people that are more streetwise that have kind of seen the, the, the dark the dark sides of, of society. Um, and can use that experience, you know, to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, in some games, that class becomes like a catch-all class, where it's, you know, if you don't, don't want to be have powers and you don't want to be the, you know, the fighter, pick rogue. But we really want rogue to feel unique. We want a rogue to feel like, you know, they've <laughs> they've had a rough a rough past and uh, they've made the most of it, and they're, you know, they're looking to uh, use those things to the benefit of the party. Mm-hmm. And then bionics, uh, I, I'm being really careful to try to be as like vague as possible about bionics specifically, because mm-hmm. I don't want to color what, how you imagine them. Like I said, we really don't want to commission artwork, sure. uh, which makes a Kickstarter campaign really hard, by the way. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we don't want to say what they look like too much uh, because you might imagine something really cool and I'll say something and you're like, Oh, never mind, That's lame. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but bionics are in some way, partly uh, mechanical, at least to the extent that they can perform powerful techniques. So they can make a, a wall of fire or um, can, you know, enhance their abilities in other ways. 
And that was inspired partly by, um, off the top of my head, I don't remember what they're called in Fantasy Star, but you always had, had characters in Fantasy Star that were like partly mechanical, like one of their sure. arms would be robotic or, or you wouldn't quite know kind of that, that anime concept where you wouldn't quite know if this was a, a humanoid, they look like a human, but they're not, or if they're actually organic. Or they look like they'd have metal skin or, you know, right. stuff like that. Yeah. So we're kind of I, getting into that territory. Not that all bionics look the same, but in that territory of like, they're not quite fully organic. Yeah. I loved the Fantasy Star game. So when you said that, I was immediately like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should have um, started with that, huh? <laughs> well, well, what's funny, and, oh, I and, I mean, I, I I dug it anyways. I, I, I'm always a big fan of anything that's genre-breaking overall. Um but I, I, I like that there's that, uh, you know, that, that inspiration, I think, leads to something more cohesive um, right. uh, than, than just like, oh, I, I put, I put you know, superheroes in cowboy land. And, you know, it's, it's right. like, okay. Um, yeah, but, traditional uh, archetypes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's great. That's, that's really cool. Um, and I, and by the way, I didn't, I, 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 I played, I don't know how many of those games back in the day. <laughs> and I, I played a lot of that and I didn't look at this and go, Oh, this is fantasy star. So okay, good. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have you as a witness when the, when the lawyers come on. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's inspired in a, in a loving way. It's not, we're not trying to rip off any IP or anything, but I think yeah. if you're a fan of Fantasy Star, um, I think you'll, you'll see some of those similarities and, uh, and enjoy it, especially with the soundtrack too. We, um, we picked, instead of having a system where you can pick whatever music you want, which mm-hmm. would sound like a good thing, that's just one more thing that I, I as a GM would just spend hours. I want to find the perfect song and I want to, and again, I want to focus that creativity on the playing part. So the the music is almost like more of a theme soundtrack. Um, hmm. And so kind of like when you when you put in Fantasy Star cartridge in your in your Sega Mega Drive or Sega Saturn, and uh, the soundtrack was the soundtrack, right? If you yeah. if you booted the game and it said pick your music, you know, if you were like me, you'd you'd spend half the game picking music out and you'd never play. And <laughs> it, I kind of just stripping those options away and saying, hey, the music is this this cool retro 16-bit soundtrack reminiscent of, of that kind of era of JRPGs and just roll with it and uh, see how you feel about it. And we're definitely open to adding more more music packs in the future. And just, um, I know we're really short on time, but I wanted to say that uh, one of our early stretch goals is actually going to be uh, creating another setting for 3 ERPG. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely if you're not really into fantasy or you don't like science fantasy, uh, we're going to be putting putting the genre up to vote with our backers. So if you become a backer, you'll actually have a say in what that next setting is going to be, and that's going to be fully supported by the system, not 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 setting agnostic or system agnostic. It'll be a fully themed, different music, different items, different classes, based on the setting. Yeah, that, I I saw that. That's um, it's it's a it's a really good one because. Uh, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. It, I, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes you look at something and you're like, wait, is this kind of a generic system? Like, right. It, it, it kind of is, but it's definitely built in, in a specific direction. Um, but, um, you know, uh, you, 
having that open as a possibility is like, oh, yeah, this can do some other things. So um, is that something that once it's out in the world and, and you know, presumably everybody's using it, um, uh, you, you you would encourage kind of people to kind of like maybe even build their own thing onto it? and Yeah, potentially. There's, there's definitely uh, potential for that. We put a lot of thought into – Making a system that works well with the science fantasy setting, but mm-hmm. not one that's that's uh, inextricably linked to it. Like even um, even techniques being called techniques, we put a lot of thought into. Could these be techniques that, you know, you're a detective and you have certain techniques that that make you especially uh, good at, at you know sleuthing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And though those could be techniques and use the same system uh, without even being you know magical in any way. So. We, there's definitely the framework there to have other settings uh, from the community or, or from our design. That's fantastic. This is, this is a very, this is your first Kickstarter, right? Yep. First one. Um, this is a very, I, I'm just going to say this. This is a very impressive piece of work for your first Kickstarter. Oh, thank Especially you. Especially granted, you know, like you mentioned the, the, the thing where you, you're like, Oh, we didn't, we don't have art. And I, I didn't even consider that <laughs> because because of some of the the you know design elements of the Kickstarter and everything in it, but it feels it feels like a piece of software um, from the from the Kickstarter, but it you know definitely indicates like yeah no this is a game this is a role playing game that you play with your friends right on software which is great yeah um, it's interesting because we're you know, I have a lot of experience in software engineering. I have a lot of experience in role playing. I have no experience with running a Kickstarter campaign. So, like, your your feedback means a lot. And uh, you know, I've been a backer for for many projects, but I'm I'm glad to see that the community is is enjoying uh, enjoying this, and they're able to to get hopefully enough information at this point to know that that it's exciting and that maybe they want to play it with their group. So, yeah. definitely looking for more backers. Yeah. Well, and and of course, I'm gonna. I'm gonna let uh, let all the my listeners know, like you know, you should go check it out. I mean, it, it's the, the just the idea that that something like this. Um, I mean, it, you know, I keep on saying could exist, but um, you know, you're you're there. You're <laughs> we're you playing know. it tonight. Actually, <laughs> we have a session tonight, so we're it's just a closed beta right now. We're keeping it to ourselves. That's but, uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's um, cool. But, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's there in the world. It's just, um, you know, get, get it, get it for yourself, everybody. Like this is, this is a, a cool, fun thing that, uh, you know, I really want to try it out. I'm really excited to, 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 uh, to try this out. I'm, I'm, I'm debating getting in on the, the, on the, the, uh, the play test, even though I, I, I look at my schedule and I'm like, but you, know, you can make time. I can make time. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, you can make time. I want to let your your listeners know as well that there's uh there's still early bird uh, backer levels available at a, oh, at a discounted are. rate. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, go check that out, um, everybody out there. Um, Christian, this has been a blast. I've really enjoyed having you on. Um, yeah, me too. Thank you. And 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 you're welcome to come back anytime you want to. I always t- you know I. I I, I've been called out for saying that to every guest, and I'm like, well, I haven't had a bad guest. 
Like, like, it's, <laughs> you know, I've, I've really enjoyed you. It's, I'll say this. You asked me, um, what, what some of my favorite episodes are. And I, in, in, you know, the ones that stood out in my head, I kind of said like, Oh, this one, this one, this one. <clears throat> but I started look, going, looking back to the library and like, Oh my God, this was so fun. Oh, this is so fun. And, you know, and I said, Oh, it's like picking my, it's my favorite of my children. Like it, I can't really do it. Um, yeah, I totally get that. But, uh, but it's been really great having you on. Um, I, I look forward to seeing like this, this feels like one of those things that, you know, you, you, you talk about at one point and then five years later, everybody's talking about it. And so like, that's kind of that vibe I get from this. And, um, uh, I'm not always right about that stuff, but, uh, but I have a pretty good record. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely feel like we're onto something really, really special here. So we're, yeah. we're glad to be able to share it with the community. I think it's great. I think it's, it's, it's great. I, you know, it, I've, I've said with people on, on this, uh, podcast series that, you know, at some point somebody's going to figure out how to unlock that level of integrating technology and games. Um, and I mean, this is, I, I didn't mention this, uh, but I think you did is it's, you can play it on desktop, but you can play it on mobile devices too. Right. Um, yeah. Can you do the GM part from mobile, mobile devices? Uh, actually, as a design decision at this point, the GM part is only going to be desktop. For desktop. Uh, but, but as players, the character sheet, there's no features you can't access as a player from mobile. It from all looks mobile. really good. And actually, in my opinion, looks looks better on mobile. Uh, I actually really enjoy it. Yeah, the design, it's got a nice little design on, on the uh, on the mobile, on the Kickstarter. So, yeah, um, everybody check it out. Do you have a website? Yes, so it's so it's three erpg dot com. Okay. Um, but the the main the main way to contact me is is on Twitter, three erpg, okay. and then uh, we have the Kickstarter as well. I need to update the website to redirect people back to the Kickstarter because that's where all the fun stuff's happening right now. But <laughs> well, we'll we'll put on we'll put all the links in out there for everybody. Um, you know that Kickstarter will be first though. Okay, so, there we go. Everybody, will <laughs> we'll we'll see that first. Um. Uh, Christian, it's been a blast having you on. Um, I, it's, it's always cool. I, 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 I love having somebody on talking tech because, um, I don't always get to. So, and it is a thing I kind of know about, you know, I do, I do okay. Um, but, uh, I, uh, uh, so this is going on. You're, you've got 28 days left. Um, you've already hit your goal. It's going to happen. Um, so at this point, everybody, uh, you know, let's get some of those, let's get some of those extra feats. Let's get another, uh, setting, you know, let's, let's go for that. Yeah. The stretch goals are really the best part. So I I can't wait to start getting into all that stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Absolutely. Um, and to all my lounge lizards out there, stay classy. To quote D.V. Besh's Carol Marcus, can I cook or can't I? How great was it to hear about something that new and groundbreaking in this industry that we all love? That's what we're here for. We're here to see something new. Christian has already beaten his goal, helped make it bigger, 
let's do some more of this, everybody. Uh, we can we can definitely do it. We've got links in the show notes. Check it out on Kickstarter. Free ERPG. He's free ERPG on Twitter. Go for it. Here's my uh, my lovely wife. The Lounge is a misdirected Mark production. The media arm of Encoded Designs with lots of great shows like this one. Misdirected Mark. Go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. The lounge theme, and so it begins, by artificial music, is used under Creative Commons 3.0. Support Contessa at Contessa.rock. Find your host, Jesse Doc Edmund, at Doc Palindrome on Twitter. All the links from this episode can be found in the episode description.